When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on friends asking for baby bump photos, lunch dates who don't offer to pay, etiquette for dropped calls, and a coworker who is rude to callers and those who enter the door. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about a wedding RSVP that comes with essay questions. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and our final postscript segment for our series on doing a personal image assessment. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm back. Welcome back, cuz. Welcome back. (laughs) Well, thank you. And especially thank you to your mother who filled in very last minute uh, for me last week. I was really, really grateful. Um, But it is it's it's funny to be back. And also, I'm very glad to be here recording on easier uh, Wi-Fi systems to record on (laughs) with you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you were on the edge of civilization, right on the edge. Yeah, I, that was that was there was some difficulties last week that resulted in some or two weeks ago that resulted in some re-recording. But it is it's nice to be back. It's nice to have cell service and 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 proper Wi-Fi again and everything. <laughs> so what are you doing with all that cell service and proper Wi-Fi? Uh, a lot of calling you, I'll tell you that. A lot of calling you to catch up. Um, in fact, yesterday I had the privilege and I was so glad to do it because I, I got to say, because working at home alone, it's I am starting to see where I'm not good and be spending two weeks in a house with my parents and trying to work like there were things that helped and things that hindered. But working around other people helps me. And so yesterday, it was really fun to trek up to your neck of the woods and kind of have an outdoor EPI office day with you to go over one of our other big projects that's underway right now. And that is our website redesign, revamp, relaunch. What are, what are we doing to it? Everything? Rebuild? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we are, we are starting from scratch. <laughs> We're starting from scratch, and we have such a pile of material to work from, but we're, we're <laughs> scrapping so much of our old structure. We're scrapping so much of our old look. It it really does feel like 
a fresh beginning, a new beginning, a chance to really build a site that we care about and like. <laughs> I'm loving, as I see it come together, the look and feel of it for sure. I think audience, you're going to really love searching around for etiquette topics in this. It'll be much oh. easier search to navigate. A lot of our more popular topics will be featured you know, right up front and center so you don't have to go searching for them. Um, but it's been really fun digging into the back end of our website and starting to populate things and and seeing how they come out with this fresh look and feel. I'm really excited about, I think, what this is going to bring. And tell tell our audience about the part that's special for them. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things. One, I, I'm picturing myself like Anisha, who runs around the house with her magic fairy wand and goes zippity zap zap and like touches things <laughs> and they transform, um, <laughs> at least in her mind. And I, I play along. I can feel it. Um <laughs> I feel like we're zippity zap zapping the website. And one of the reasons it feels so good is you mentioned the new look and feel. And I want to give you a lot of credit. You did a lot of work helping build us a new brand book. And I've been doing a lot of um, applying of that brand book to the website, also some to our training resources and materials. And pretty much everything that our new fonts and colors touch starts (laughs) to look so much better. And it's amazing how that happens, right? We were stoked about these colors and, and looks, you know, 10 years ago, seven years ago. <laughs> but like anything, the, you know, the style age. for the drapes change over time. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's time and it, 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 it feels really good. And it's specifically, I'll tell you, the color palette that you've developed. The oh, You've broadened our colors. We've gone from three to like seven and it. That can sound like a lot, but it's really just lovely. It, it, they're 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 soft and yet soft and bright at the same time. I I can't wait for people to see them. I think one of the things about our our brand is we really do touch so many different aspects of people's lives, and I think you really want a, a color palette for our brand that that can work with that, that can have the fun and the excitement of a birthday party or entertaining advice, you know, it can also, you know, be serious and I think more thoughtful and considerate over in our, our business and, and things like dealing with difficult times sections, you know, you don't want those to be bright coral and yellow. <laughs> like, I mean, I and then that's that gets into a whole artist side of me and subjective and color and how, you know, just just how does a color make you feel? Um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I could go on and on about that forever and be wrong 12 different ways to Sunday. But it 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 was nice to feel like we had enough to work with that we could really kind of give life, I think, to the different sections and topics that we operate in with people and still have that look cohesive as a whole. So I don't know. It was it was fun delving into it. It was part of what I worked on during the very early parts of the pandemic. And it's nice to see it in in use now. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm just very excited about this website. Dan and I, like we said, we've been populating the back end right now, getting articles up, getting all of our services up, and all of our biographical information. But the thing I was teasing that I Dan didn't was quite waiting get for us to, to get here. Yep. I'm like, come on, shoe drop. Um, is that we are making a home for awesome etiquette on our website. And it's not sort of, I don't want to say just, but it's not just what we've had before. Dan, tell us why this home is different from the current home on emilypost.com for awesome etiquette. The easiest answer to that is that the previous website, the one that I call it the previous website, it's our current website, the website most people visit right now at emilypost.com. 
was built before we um, had control over Awesome Etiquette, before it was our own show. We were still working in partnership with American Public Media when we built the last version of our website. So we hadn't really made a home for it at Emily Post. It lived with American Public Media. And when we decided to take ownership of the show and start producing it ourselves, we built out a page for it at emilypost.com because it it needed a home. But we didn't have a chance to work from scratch. So we didn't have things like individual pages for each show or particularly a place for people who support the show or to help people figure out how to support the show. and Or for our sponsors. <laughs> yes, and definitely some room for our sponsors. <laughs> we do we do want to keep the lights on over here at Awesome Etiquette, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, I am thrilled with how things are coming. It is an exorbitant amount of work. Um, I feel like our heads are spinning, but in the in the right way, you know, the way that makes you want to get the work done because you're really excited about the product. So awesome etiquette audience. Hold tight. Hopefully within the next month or two, we're going to have a beautiful space for you to join us in and we're really excited about it. But in the meantime, do you think we should get to some questions? I think we should. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
first question is titled, Pandemic and Pregnancy Pictures. Hi, Awesome Etiquette. First, thanks for putting together such a lovely podcast. I enjoy listening every week. Here's my question. My husband and I are expecting our first child this November. We're very excited. Congratulations! It's been a strange time to be pregnant, to say the least, and I've been struggling with how to respond to requests for bump pics. They have all come from family and close friends, so I don't feel that these questions are inappropriate given our relationship. But at the same time, no one would ask me to send a picture of your body today if I weren't pregnant. These requests are coming from a loving place, and I'm grateful that others care about us and want to share in the experience. I love seeing pics that friends share during their own pregnancies, but it's been unexpectedly hard for me to adjust to the changes in my own body. If this were normal times, I'd see many of these family and friends in person, and I don't think this would be an issue. My question is twofold. How can I respond to these requests? I've been deflecting up until now, but that doesn't feel right. Is the polite thing to recognize the good intentions here and send the picture? Or is there a sample script I could use if I choose to decline? And then second, so that was kind of three questions in one. And then second, what are some ways I can bring my friends and family into this experience? Are there things I can do beyond the weekly bump picks to keep them involved? I'm grateful for their support, and it will certainly be needed come November. I would appreciate your expert advice. Thanks so much, Anonymous. Anonymous, thank you for the question. And... I will second my cousin's in-read congratulations. (laughs) I really like the way you're approaching this whole thought. And I want to start off by affirming and applauding the latitude that you're giving people right now. Lizzie and I have both been doing a lot of interviews about manners and etiquette during COVID. And I feel like we both have this sort of first thought share that often comes up early in an interview where we say – These are tough times. They're stressful times. They're times where people are changing a lot of routines. So the more we can all be patient with each other, the more we can all be ready to give each other latitude to make some mistakes, to try some things out, to have them work, to have them not work. Some of the best advice we can give and is is the helpful attitude to take with you right now. And I can feel that in your question. These people are asking me to take pictures of my body and send them to them. That's really weird. And I can kind of understand (laughs) right now. So that's – I just applaud that good spirit. The first easiest question to answer is the very direct question about um, deflecting these requests and how you say – I, I, I recognize their good intentions and should I send the pictures? I think you can recognize their good intentions and you don't have to send the pictures. I think you still do the first part, that thing yeah. we're talking about. But don't feel pressured to do something that really doesn't make you feel comfortable. OK, so my sample language for that moment right there is, oh, I know a lot of people do the baby bump picture, but it's not something I'm that comfortable with. So we've decided to and then, you know, let them know what you are doing that would be a way to share how the baby is growing. And we do have some ideas on that a little bit later on. But I want to hear what Dan has to say about the other questions that no, are the easiest uh, questions. I was going to say something exactly <laughs> like that. If if, if yeah. this is a close enough circle, the kind of circle where they feel okay making an ask that's a little bit edgy, <laughs> that mm-hmm. they're probably close enough for you to give them an honest response and not one 
that's a brutal honesty. I can't believe you would ask <laughs> me to do that because that's not or true. Like you whole, can believe the it. The whole like, oh, this is feeling like you're asking to see my body when you normally never ask to see my body. How like why would you think that's okay? You they're they're close enough, but you don't have to give them the full brain on it, you know. <laughs> and it's a good explanation, and it's and it's it, in some ways it sort of honors. You know that they've got a good intention. You recognize it. You recognize it with your willingness to give them an honest answer, and yeah. and that it's common. That it's something a lot of people do, and that that is true. Like you say, you enjoy seeing your friends do this on social media. Yeah, and I like your sample script because I think that that it doesn't need to be a long explanation. It can just be what it is. The fun longer explanation is what. Anonymous asks us the second question, which is, what are some other ways that I might be able to respond to stay connected with someone? Can we tell them what you and Pooja did? Even though I, you guys, I mean, like I saw Pooja regularly through Anisha's pregnancy and, and baby number two, but I remember baby number one. We like every single week was a, a piece of fruit or a vegetable that we were comparing the size of of the little baby to. Yes. And so it was and that I actually thought was really fun because it was also interesting to think about why a peach might be after a lemon or you know what I mean like why the, why they might pick the fruit that they're picking. Our little lima um, bean, our little mango, yeah, our little yeah. cantaloupe. <laughs> I loved her when she was a plum. Um no, but I think it's it's a really cute. It I I I enjoyed that as a person watching you guys go through your first pregnancy and I know we enjoyed discussing it. You know, if fruit's not your thing or that's not working for you, maybe it's it's measurements, you know, and that and, and I can see some people going, what? Like, I don't mm-hmm. even want to think about it. But it's it's find the thing that's comfortable for you, whether it's a comparison to an object or like we just said, fruit or something or whether it's an actual number of some sort. I think finding a way to track that growth and it might even just be the weeks, right? Like so excited to be on week 23 or, you know, something like that. A countdown was was one thought I had that wasn't exciting. It's not great, but it's something. It's something. And I think kind of one of the, one of the things I think this is more about than an actual picture of what your belly is looking like, either, either exposed or with a shirt or a dress or something over it. Um, I think is that people want to be involved. Ding, and ding, I ding. bet, yeah, I bet that no matter how you do it, they're going to be happy to accept whatever you're trying to involve them in. And that if you guys jump on the bandwagon of celebrating each week as it comes, or maybe other growth milestones or celebrating it as fruit or numbers, whatever it is, I think they're going to jump on if you give it that kind of celebration and, and kind of like progress check uh, feel, you know, um, to it. And I think if you want to give it that, um, but I think that might be that way to create that feeling of excitement and, and participation. I know that sounds weird. I'm kind of saying it with a question mark, uh, that people are looking for. I couldn't agree anymore. My, my parting advice was going to be just set a little tickler in your calendar when you get one of these requests that just reminds you to touch base with that person. And maybe it's not weekly. Maybe it's every couple of weeks or maybe it's just a few times over the course of a pregnancy. So that part of the family, that branch feels really involved. Connected. Yeah. yeah. Anonymous, we hope that this helps. We hope that this has given you some language to work with and some ideas to move forward with so that you can celebrate with your loved ones. But if you have a sincere interest in photographic work, 
it would be worthwhile to investigate the field carefully. Some phase of photography may become your life work. Our next question is about a lunch date dilemma. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm a recent listener of your show and already a lifetime fan. I grew up reading Emily Post's Book of Etiquette and even have a copy in my office. I have a question regarding lunch date etiquette. I have a longtime friend who I will meet for coffee and lunch dates. She is indecisive on what she wants, so she usually insists that I order first. When it's time to pay the bill, she stays in the background silently if we are in line for coffee or doesn't reach for the bill at the table, and I feel pressured to pay for both of us. I have tried my own attempts to curb this behavior of hers by denying to order coffee until she's prepared and then waiting for her to order first. For lunch dates, I will ask the waitress politely for the bills to be separate, but sometimes we've only had a few appetizers and a drink, and I feel silly asking for this to be split. Should I follow the rule of whoever initiated the lunch date should expect to pay the bill? If we were only meeting once a month or so, I wouldn't mind paying, but we are meeting a couple times a week. Thank you. Warm regards, R.O. R.O. I think that th I've got many thoughts on this. <laughs> um, and and one of the firsts is um, I think you're smart to wonder whether this person is following the um, – the uh whoever does the inviting does the paying but it's such a regular occurrence i'm i'm having a hard time believing that you're the one making the invitation every single time to give her the impression that you should be paying every single time if you're eating together this frequently but i i could be wrong it might be that you are always the one initiating and setting this up and that might be you know she might be following that kind of more old school rule but i do think that you're in a good position because you dine with this person so frequently to bring it up and to simply say, hey, you know, I know that we dine together like, you know, a couple times a week and we've never kind of said anything in stone, but I always wanted to ask, is it, you know, do you feel comfortable whenever I ask for the bill to be split or something like that, you know, is like, should we be splitting or do you want to do alternating treating each other to the lunch? I've heard of some interesting ways that people do this. We had one listener write into the show a long, long time ago. Guys, this is probably like in the first 100 episodes who had suggested keeping a little token and whoever has the token is the one who will be doing the buying. And so... Oh, they, you are like, taking me back. I remember that. Yeah, wait, right, right, right. And so, like, it, maybe it's a little chess piece or a little charm of some sort. And granted, these two friends were really good about keeping the charm and not losing it or putting it in the wrong purse or something like that. But it was an interesting way to kind of play play a bit of a game with who's who's treating who. You know, if you have the token, it's on you to schedule and, and take the other person out. But I do think that friends can have check-ins with each other when they have long-established things. Just like if you realized you were going over to someone's house and doing like socially distanced get-togethers right now, and you were always meeting at this one person's house, you might say, hey, I've always enjoyed that you are always doing the inviting, but I just wanted to offer up my house as well. I feel like as easy a casual tone could be applied here. Dan, what do you think? I've been rambling and rambling and rambling. Not at all. I think that you're sort of elaborating on the answer that I think is the most likely best. And I was imagining a few different ways you might handle it. Some people mm -hmm. would just pull back on the invite. So, oh, we've been dining a couple times a week and 
usually I'm the one who says, hey, do you want to go grab coffee or do you want to go grab lunch just as I'm heading out? Maybe just don't make mm-hmm. that offer for a couple weeks so that you're not initiating. So, and, and maybe your friend, your colleague will say to you, hey, do you want to go grab a coffee today? And you'll start to balance just the – even the responsibility of that initiation. That might be awkward or that might not feel right in some way. Um, and in some ways, that's sort of a testing of the whole relationship that you might not want to do. You might not want to give up these lunches a couple times a week for a couple weeks until someone figures out that it's up to them to invite you back. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and and I think that's likely. So I, I, I like Lizzie's approach of addressing it in some ways because if you're going to continue and you're not comfortable with the way things are, I think addressing it does make sense. And my idea had been exactly yours, Lizzie, to suggest something for moving forward and something like, oh, I, I – I, being really explicit about how much you enjoy those lunches, how you don't want to give them up, how um, you've got some ideas that that you wanted to run by her. And granted, those that's not the sample script language. But, oh, I so enjoy our lunches together. I'm wondering if you would want to maybe – and then I liked your language of start – either planning to split the bill or planning to alternate who picks it up or but essentially suggesting some system for moving forward so you're not expressing dissatisfaction with what's been going on. I'm wondering about a couple things here. One is that um RO writes that they do actually on occasion ask for the bill to be split and I'm curious what the friend does when this happens. Does the friend just pay the bill? You know, do they not? Do they, you know, I'm I'm just curious. And then one of the scenes that was described was that you might be like in line and the friend offers for RO to go first, to order first or get coffee. She says um, when it's time to pay the bill, she then stays in the background silently if we're in line for coffee or doesn't reach for the bill at a table. And I'm wondering if in those in-line instances, if you're going first, there's no reason why you can't close out the check and just say, oh, no, we're not together or, you know, something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, separate orders, you know, and I'm, I'm just wondering, I know that that's a moment that I've seen in a number of sitcoms handled awkwardly, <laughs> like when the person behind wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but I also know that that's a that's also a really easy way is that two people get together Um, they, you know, they each pay their own way and then go sit down and eat or have coffee, whatever it is together. So that might be one way in those, in those moments where it's not table service to address it. I like that very practical approach. I think that's, yeah, actually makes a lot of sense. Yep. Like use, use the, the method that you're ordering from to help, help in that instance. Um, in terms of not wanting to split the check at a table when it's just a couple of appetizers, I I can only speak from my own experience as a server that I never minded it, whether it was a coffee and a dessert that someone chose to split or whether it was a big, you know, three, four course meal. For me, it was just not my business why they needed the check split. And as long as it was within our restaurant policy, it was fine to split it. I don't think you should have to worry about that. There are lots of times where you're on a business trip and you go out with a friend and you can't pay, you you know, your meal has to be paid for for the company because all the expenses go, you know, towards the company. But the person that you're dining with isn't isn't a part of that. And so you ask for separate checks and maybe it is something really small. Um, I, I wouldn't feel worried about that part of it. Absolutely. In some ways, that's why they call it service, that it's <laughs> it's about providing a service for you. And it's why we tip for it also. Um, 
in conclusion, RO, there are a couple of options here. You could play with the way that the these get-togethers get initiated. And if you wanted to pull back a little bit on that and see how things develop, that's one option. There's the very practical approach of just being first in line and paying for yourself. And there's more likely solution that friends oftentimes have little check-ins about stuff like this periodically. And it sounds like you're ready for one of those check-ins. It's a perfectly reasonable thing to say, hey, I so enjoy our lunches together. I thought I'd check in with you and see how they're working for you as well. And that's the opening for a conversation where you can think about how you're going to handle them moving forward. However you do decide to move forward, we hope that you continue to enjoy these get-togethers with your friend at a time when oftentimes socializing can be difficult. We're going to take a quick break to make a special announcement. You've heard us rave about them. Some of you have raved to us about the ones you've purchased. The Emily Post Garden Collection by Issa Salazar is a hit, and we are so excited that Issa is offering our awesome, botanically inspired watercolor collection of greeting cards for 20% off from now until August 17th of 2020. Emily Post greeting cards are the best way to let friends and family know you care. Whether it's to say hello or congratulations, maybe when you need to offer your sympathy, or just to send some love, we've got the perfect card in the Emily Post Garden Collection by Issa Salazar. And don't forget, Issa's beautiful botanical watercolors are inspired by Emily's Martha's Vineyard Garden and are all made in the USA. Check out isasalazar.com to view the collection and place your order, remember that you get 20% off your entire order until August 17th of 2020. And don't forget, these cards also make great wedding and large event thank you notes. We know a lot of people aren't going to too many large events, but if you do have a larger order, you can absolutely place it through ISA. Go to isasalazar.com. That's I-S-A-S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. Dot com, or you can visit us at emilypost.com to view the collection and place your order today. Remember, that's a 20% discount until August 17th, 2020. And now, back to the show. This question is titled, Dealing with Dropped Calls, and Oh, Haven't We All? <laughs> Begins, greetings. I'm a big fan of the podcast and I look forward to listening to it every week. Such a positive and wonderful way to start my week. Thank you, Lizzie and Dan. I have a question about dropped calls. I have a friend that recently moved away, sad face, and we seem to have a hard time catching each other's calls to catch up. Recently, she called me, but I missed her call as I was in a meeting. When I called her back at my next convenience, she was driving through a remote area and it was very staticky. After a minute of asking each other to repeat what we said, our call was dropped. Since she was the one driving in a remote area, I figured I would let her call me back at a later time and did not attempt to call her back. However, this got me thinking, as calls get dropped a lot, or maybe it's just me. Anyways, who is responsible for calling the other person back when a call is dropped? Is it the person who originally initiated the call? Is there an etiquette to this, or am I overthinking this? Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast, Dropped in my favorite city, New Orleans. This is an awesome question. Because you know what doesn't get dropped in New Orleans? Footballs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Are you still sore about that call? No. 
<laughs> I don't know. Do Patriots drop footballs? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> um, no, sorry. I don't. I don't mean to. I just got very distracted by the dropped in New Orleans. It was very much so just straight my brain only in this New Orleans raw my team um, <laughs> kind of space. Let's get back to etiquette. Um, dropped calls, cuz. What do you think? You and I have major issues with dropped calls. I feel like we have our own special, like, MO for it. But what do you think about it? Well, I think that there is a certain honoring of relationships that goes on. So, yeah, you and I have our own routine on this. But from a a broader perspective, I do think there are some etiquette considerations. And... Mm -hmm. My first thought goes to the moment, and I think whoever's responsible for the interference or the distraction kind of bears some responsibility to reconnect. Okay, but wait, I got to just jump in immediately on this. How can you always tell? You can't. Yeah, you can't, because there are some times where you and I are trying to figure out whether it's my phone or your phone, you know, that's causing the interference. But sometimes you know. For example, I know there are certain places in my life where I drop calls coming and going from my house as I drive past the waterfall. Um, There is a certain area of my house where if I drift too far in that direction, I can drop a call. And when that happens and I feel like it's me, I think the responsibility is on me to call back. And not to necessarily do it from a place where it's going to happen again and again and again. Um, if possible, right. to try like, to get back were, into... I was going to say, if you're going to stand in that particular part of the house for a reason, don't try to keep having the call from the area that can't hold a call, right? So there are two courtesies that are really emerging here. One is, if you know it's your fault, you take some responsibility, try to fix it, and try to reestablish the connection. As you point out, that's not always clear. Um, so I think that when it's less clear, the solution or the the sort of the the chain reaction of who has responsibility isn't as clear either. One of the things that I like about what dropped in New Orleans is thinking about is that they are considering where the other person is and the safety of the situation. And that mm-hmm. to me does make sense. And a lot of us do end up with drop calls when we're in a situation where one or both of us are in a car. And I think it is best if you know you're going through that staticky place to just feel feel like, okay, my responsibility is once I'm out of it and in a safe place to make a call, then I'll make the call. And as the person who's not driving the car, I think you let the person driving the car drive that <laughs> um, as opposed to trying to call back repeatedly and repeatedly and either not getting through or maybe getting through But then just having the same problem of the call dropping. And now it's like becoming a much more distracted level of driving and talking, I think, than than just answering a call and being in a conversation like you might be if you were in a car having a conversation with somebody. I agree completely. And let's continue to add considerations. As Dropped points out, there's also a consideration about um, who initiated the call? W- once upon a time, there was a very traditional etiquette that said it was the person who initiated a call who had some responsibility for closing it out. And ah. that was sort of a small courtesy that mm-hmm. I think existed between people, almost like, oh, I'm the host in some ways, or because I started this thing, it's up for me mm-hmm. to acknowledge that we've completed our business and it's concluded. I think that you could think about um, 
who initiated it, but I'm more interested in the way that you reestablish connection afterwards, whoever does it, whether it's a period of time later or whether it's immediately. I think some kind of acknowledgement about the disruption is also something that makes things easier in some ways. So for us, when that call drops, I'm also anticipating that even though I know it's only dropping because of a 10-second space that you travel through, that not long after you cross into that, you know, connectivity, connected spot again, you end up with saying hello to daughters and wife at home who you are greeting and trying to have a nice hello with. And then, oh, I'm going to put you on the spot because if I'm lucky, I get the call back. <laughs> no, and I can't do that to you. You could do that to me. Yeah, I was going to say, usually you're pretty good about it, but sometimes, you know, either our call was finished enough or it wasn't important enough to call back. But usually when it is something that we were in the middle of discussing, you do make a point to call or text or get in touch to say what had happened. And I do think that's important. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be a big deal. Oh, I hit no. that spot. Nuts always happens. Okay, where were we? Da, 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 right. da, 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 da. But an acknowledgement of that disruption, I think, is sort of shows a decent respect to the other person who wasn't a part of it. They were just on a call that all of a sudden right. <laughs> abruptly ended. Whether or not you have to profusely apologize and beg the other person's pardon, I don't think so. I think the quick, oh, so sorry about that. You know, I like you said, I hit that spot or didn't realize I was in a dead zone or oops, my phone died. Things like that, I think, are absolutely fine. My good friend, who you all hear us mention on the show all the time, Kelly Williams-Brown, she and I have an MO for this because we did end up with between our houses and the places we like to sit and talk to each other from, we just realized we do have some calls that get funky or dropped or things like that. And so we made a rule between the two of us that I would always be the one responsible with calling back. And if I couldn't for some reason, that Kelly would make one try. And if she couldn't get me, she would wait to hear from me. And that was just how we decided to plan things out because we had it happen to us so much. And it wasn't because my phone was typically dropping or she wasn't good at dialing phone number. You know, no, it was just it was just simply an easy way for us to make a plan and move forward with it. What are your thoughts? And this was sort of my my final tangent on this one to sending a text that says bad connection try it tonight or something like that. I think that that is good so far as it gets through and works. You know what I mean? And I think at this stage of the game with digital at our fingertips in so many places, I think you try as best you can. You know, if that phone call isn't going through, then yeah, you do shoot a text or, you know, and you might, it might not go through, but you know, you can at least be trying any way you can, I think, to get that message. But I also think you've got to do that in a way that's safe. You know, obviously for dropped a New Orleans's friend who's driving through this, um, you know, low reception spot, that person is is going to not probably be able to make a text because they're driving. So, you d you know, you d to be smart about it and recognize that text messages just don't always go through. So you might have said, I'll call you back later tonight. And the other person might not have received that message. Ah, uh, the etiquette of dropped calls. <laughs> It'll definitely be in the 20th edition, that's for sure. Dropped in New Orleans, thank you so much for letting us explore this topic. We definitely don't think you're overthinking it, but there are a number of ways to handle it politely. There's one thing that we haven't talked about. Following up results of our action by calling back the complaining party. 
We do this to show that our interest is genuine and doesn't end when the customer hangs up. The man who at first wouldn't give up the line said to me, Well, yes, maybe somewhat better now. Your call seemed to do some good. <laughs> I didn't expect you to call back. Thanks for helping me out. Goodbye. Our next question is about a Kurt coworker. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm one of many employees in an open room full of cubicles, just outside the area of this unpleasant coworker, the receptionist. Her phone is constantly ringing, and she is really rude to people when they call. Her annoyance and impatience is obvious both in her tone and word choice. She will also make comments to herself loudly about these people when she hangs up the phone, essentially saying how stupid they are or how much they bother her. It's really hard to listen to, and quite frankly embarrasses me, as she is the first-line representative for our department. I like to be approachable at work, but I have had to resort to headphones to try to block this out, and it always puts me in a damper mood. I get the feeling that she has been around a long time and knows how to keep the ship sailing. Otherwise, I think it would be easy to let her go. I have also gathered from other coworkers that this is how she has always been. So any hope that this is due to recent unrest and uncertainty in the world is gone. I try really hard to give the benefit of the doubt, but the frequency of these episodes tells me it is a real problem. So far, I have failed to mention that she can also be rather short with me and other coworkers in the office, but I have not taken it personally, as we do not interact that much. I do, however, find her telephone etiquette and attitude to be unacceptable. The kicker is, I'm basically brand new at my job and I don't know how to broach this with the appropriate person, be it her or a supervisor. This behavior is not only unpleasant, but wrong, and I don't want to be afraid to speak up. The question is how. Any advice or a sample script would be greatly appreciated. Sincerely, Earplugged. Earplugged. Oh, this is a yucky situation. And I, I like the fact that you've given a couple benefits of the doubt. It's like, is this person going through... Uh, you kind of sleuthed it out. Is this person going through a difficult time, in which case I need to give them a little more leniency, you know, or in my own mind anyway? Or is this just due to our new very, you know, difficult and confusing and and certainly it's wearing on our mental health now uh, pandemic situation? And I think that asking those two questions was really good. I, I'm sorry they didn't warrant answers that led you to believe that this person's behavior might change. And instead, the idea is this has really been going on for a while. This is a valued employee, even though this behavior has been going on for a while. I want to give Earplugged the encouragement that sometimes being the new person can be a way to create some change that just you being new means that the team has to think about how everybody gets along, how everybody works together. It can often be an opportunity to bring in some kind of change or some kind of uh, educational stuff. I'm just saying floating an Emily Post webinar might not be a bad idea or mentioning that that we have some, you know, creative live online learning options. Just saying, just saying. But funny enough, this is exactly the kind of thing that Dan and I will hear when we receive seminar requests is that we have someone who, you know, is is an outwardly facing person. If this person is is a receptionist and they are kind of answering the phone and receiving anyone who is coming into the building or the office, that's an important person to have as a welcoming, friendly, assistive attitude and, and personality representing the company at that front gate, sort of, to think about it. Um, and so I, I think it's actually 
not something worth just ignoring and suffering through. How far you're going to get with changing this is a really big question mark in my mind. But I do think that it would be appropriate, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but for you to go to your personal manager or supervisor and as you're checking in about how things are going as you're new on the job, say, there is one thing that I've noticed, and I know this person's worked here for a long time, so I'm not sure how to handle it, which is why I wanted to ask ask you before trying to, you know, do anything on my own. I think this is one better handled by the rest of the company than by a very new employee, but I do think it's on you to bring it to the to the proper HR people or management people. Lizzie Post, I'm so glad you answered this one first because you totally shifted <laughs> my perspective on it. Really? Oh my goodness. I really? I would have thought I took that right out of the Dan Post Sunning <laughs> Classics book. Well, <laughs> And I think there are different options um, in terms of how you proceed. And maybe I just sort of happen to have my more conservative hat on today. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. But your conservative hat never condones someone being rude to people calling into a company. No, it it really doesn't. But I I was keyed more on the – the seniority, not in terms of organizational hierarchy, but in terms of time spent, longevity. the yeah. longevity of the receptionist and the relative newness of your plugged. And my my thought there was that you have a certain amount of, of social capital and you, you want to work to build relationships and put, put some social capital in the bank <laughs> at the start of a job before you start bringing up too many issues or difficulties. And I, I think balancing that with the idea that you led with, which I think is also a really sort of important, powerful idea that you're also a new person and things have been shifted. You're bringing new energy. And oftentimes those are, are moments of opportunity. And oftentimes companies are looking for those fresh perspectives and new ideas. And you really have some value. You've got you've got clear eyes. <laughs> and... I think that that there is a, a a good course of action somewhere between those two thoughts. I think having them both in mind is going to help you not sort of wander too far in either direction. But when you gave me your sample script, I thought it was excellent. What I what I loved <laughs> about it was that you said, you know, I am having a problem. This is it. I've got a problem in my new workplace. And I think you might focus more on the way she treats you because that came up as well and i think it's easier to to really take ownership of that as a problem you're experiencing i think so too but i i am going to chirp up and say don't underestimate just the fact that you are in an open office environment and therefore this person does impact your work day and you can reference things like i use earbuds i would rather not have to but i i must admit that the tone that I overhear frequently from this person or that I'm exposed to because of how loudly this person chooses to express themselves, that that's reaching me and becoming a regular distraction. I'm I'm working on my end for what I can do personally, but if it was something that could be mentioned or could be discussed with this person, it would be nice to have more than, than just my attempts helping to mitigate the issue because it's not going away just because I'm wearing earbuds. So here's you know? the way I would context that. Um, or yeah. or the, 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 the other thought I would bring into that conversation is I would be prepared to really hear anything that the supervisor oh, yeah. that I'm talking to says. 
even just straight up like, yeah, you're never going to get anywhere with that. We've all been dealing with it for years. Yes. Or you're Mm going to feel that way until you need her to help you navigate X, Y, and Z. And then you're going to learn why we love her so much. And ignore all the bad behavior. Yeah. (laughs) um, It also might be true that they say... Thank you so much. It's really good to know that. I'm aware of that also. I don't know how much we'll be able to do, but you might get some some support. Yeah, <laughs> um, or at least some sympathy. Some sympathy, even if there's nothing that can actually be done. I, I, It's why I was glad that I heard your response first, because I, I do think that you don't want to undersell yourself. And it is a real thing. But you also don't want to um, – I, not just make too many waves too early, but you also don't want to do damage to a relationship at a place where you're going to work. And you want to be really careful about how you talk about and criticize other people. And just keeping that voice in your mind, I think, is worthwhile. <laughs> and I know this is the kind of stuff that like – and I'm I'm laughing as I say it even though I shouldn't be because this is – this so these can create really awkward and really um, unfair situations for some people. But – but, you know, watch, you go in for that meeting with the manager and it turns out like the manager and this this receptionist are like best friends after work all the time. Or exactly. Something, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that that should change how the manager then does their job or responds to you. But we I mean, that's like in my mind, that's the sitcom version, you know, mm-hmm. the thought that sort of builds on that. There was the one yeah. other thing on my my checklist was both to take care of yourself and yeah. I hear that going on, but also to make it a point to get to know the human network at the place that you work. And and it, it might be that you start to identify a relationship like that. You figure out why this person feels protected or feels entitled or maybe you find out that there's a supervisor who's really good with people and that might be the right person to bring this kind of yeah. concern to as opposed to someone who's not as concerned about those ter- sorts of things. So that's the, 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 the other little assignment that I would give would be to – as you're kind of figuring out what to do and you're getting your antenna out, um, really pay attention to who seems to be answering to who and, and, and what, what is the existing network of relationships that you're joining. Before we close it out, the only other thing I'll say is that sometimes if nothing else can move, can your desk move? Is there any – you know, is there any – chance of swapping with someone or sitting in a different section or just letting it be encouragement for yourself to get that next promotion, you know, that that gets you the office further down the hall or something. I don't know if any of those are possible given the space that you're working in, but they might they might kind of be one of those last results or a hope for the distant future. Absolutely. Earplugged, we really hope that this answer helps and that however things go with the Kurt coworker that you're able to enjoy your new job and continue there with great success. Congratulations, by the way, on the new job. Well, that's the end of our story. A happy ending, too, because Steve Hull finally did face up to both sides of his problem, the physical and the emotional alike. You see, that's what it takes to win the fight against an ulcer at work. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. 
can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, we hope you'll feel great knowing that you helped to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It is such an encouragement and we greatly appreciate it. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Christy about episode 308. Hi, Emily Post team. I have a suggestion for the person who asked about not having news in their workplace's Slack. I'm part of a Working Spaces Slack channel, and it's happened more than once that when a topic started dominating the general Slack channel, someone created a separate channel for that topic and invited people to join in the general channel usually without a reason attached, as everyone can see for themselves that it's a dominating topic. A sample script for the invite might be, Hi everyone, a separate channel for current events has been created, so please join if you want to continue to be updated and discuss news topics. Hope this helps. Christy. Christy, A, let's just big clap. That's an awesome, awesome sample script right there. And we love getting them from audience members, so thank you. But also huge claps because this is a great suggestion and it's such an easy thing to do. We often don't know when something's going to dominate a channel. It might have gotten floated and a couple people respond and then it dies off. But you're right. When it starts to really take over, it's very clear that it needs its own space and that people will either want to participate in it over in that new space or it'll die off very quickly over in that new space because people will be like, oh, this kind of got big and out of control. But I love your language for how to handle it. I missed the question because it was last week's episode, but um, I really love the sample script. I couldn't agree more. Christy, thank you so much for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update on your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week, we're going to wrap up our discussion about image assessment. Dan, thank you so much for saving it for me because I have been on pins and needles. I want to know. I want to know your three words for yourself. (laughs) Oh, curse you, Cousin Lizzie Post. (laughs) It's only been your needling that made me say, you know, I've actually got to do this. And (laughs) I did not forget in my wonderful time on Martha's Vineyard. I did not let the ocean ions take away this memory of finding out what your three words were. (laughs) Well, um, let me let me take a, a great big rewind because I just want to ground anybody who hasn't been listening for the last couple of weeks in what we're talking about. And that's that um, three weeks ago, we started a series of postscripts that were about image assessment. And the idea behind a, an Emily Post approach to image assessment is that it's more than just superficial. It's not just about choosing makeup colors that match skin tone or a haircut that augments Frames the shape your of your face. Well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that when we talk about image assessment or even personal branding, ideally we're pointing to some deeper questions. Who are you? How are you perceived? How do you connect with other people on a real level? How are you seen and, and understood by the 
people in your life that are important to you? And what is it that you can do that impacts that impression or that sense that other people have of you or bring it in alignment with the sense that you have of yourself or the self that you want to be? Big stuff. Yeah, very big. It's stuff a lot of people scratch the surface on or stuff that I know a lot of therapists work with a lot of people on, myself included. It's big stuff. It's deep stuff. Absolutely. So stepping through that superficial layer, one of the sort of early easy image assessment exercises that I'll do with groups when I don't have a lot of time is we'll do a micro version of a larger assessment exercise. And the the simple version is you just describe yourself using three words or a simple sentence with you know three parts. But the idea is that you tell a story about yourself that identifies some major attributes, but you do it very briefly. You're not allowed to explain as much as I'm explaining right now. <laughs> the second part of the assignment is to put together an image team, people to help you with your image. And you want to think about people that know you in different capacities because – People that know you in the same way will have similar impressions about you, but people in different areas or parts of your life might see different sides of you. So you want to uh, take advantage of that and and try to cultivate an image team that knows you in different ways. So that assignment is to think of three people that you could talk to about your image or ask to help you do a simple image assignment. That that was week one and week two, two homework assignments. And then the idea is that we come back on week three and talk about what the experience was like of thinking about ourselves in those sorts of essential ways to find out if we heard back anything from other people about us that was pleasantly surprising or uncomfortable or delightful. And then the, the, the concluding sort of lesson in an assignment like this is one where we think about what actions or steps we could take moving forward. So that's the real – that's going to be the meat of today's postscript, but I was teased enough by my cousin Lizzie Post to say <laughs> I'm going to write down my three words. I'm going to share them with the audience, and I want you all to know that I took courage from you. Uh, several of you shared your words with us, and if that was you and you're willing, we might include some of those in a coming feedback section, but it was so affirming for me to hear people – Really Do giving this dance. exercise a try yeah. and taking a chance and taking a risk. So I'm right there with you. I'm describing myself as consistent, curious, and caring. Those are good words to describe you, cuz. Consistent, curious, and ca- curious, excuse me, and caring. I think those are three really good words. I would say you are. You are a very consistent person. Um, you were one of the people who taught me how to get curious about stuff quickly as um, an anxiety reducer. So I would definitely say curiosity is is a part of you. And I, I think about how you explore when we come up with problems or come up against problems. You always do come come at it with that curious nature. Um, but and you are you are very caring. You you actually talk to people about how you care, and that I think is really good. So. Um, I think those are three that really fit. But I okay, so now that that's like satisfied and and I've now got your three words and you send them to everybody. <laughs> I'm now on the next itch to scratch is what's who's gonna be on your team? Okay, so this was almost harder for me because <laughs> one of my conceits about myself, since we're sharing, is <laughs> I like to think of myself as a dynamic, complex person with a lot of different sort of aspects or faces and when I think about people that know me in different ways, I start to say to myself, boy, how how does this how is this going to help me 
paint any kind of consistent picture or get to know myself any better. <laughs> You're trying to find consistency in this. Don't try. Let it be varied, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it was one of my first lessons to myself was like, oh, boy, you know, maybe I need to, like, be more of myself completely with more people or anyway, th- this is th- this is where these sorts of exercises start to work. The team one really does get you thinking because you're like, oh, am I just picking that person because they'd be flattering or am I picking this person because I think they really do actually know me well or might I pick somebody because they may not know me as well as some of my other friends but I've actually heard them make comments that make me think they are very on target about who I am and all of those no matter which one you run with and many many others that might come up in your head are I think interesting because immediately after trying to figure out who to pick, you're thinking about why you would pick them. And I think the Mm -hmm. point is to not think about why you would pick them, but to pick three people that you at least trust and let that be your deciding factor. And then I think what's really interesting is to hear the words that they choose. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, to me, it's, it's interesting why we choose the people. And because we should probably let the audience in on a little background joke here. I was giving you crud and editing your list as you were typing it in our shared Google Doc. So not fair. <laughs> it was totally not an independent effort. I'm sorry that I, I kind of interrupted it. But I at first I was like, oh, man, you've got like your wife and your brother. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> spread it out a little. Like, gee, gee too, too many sendings on that list. Yeah, Dano. yeah, yeah. And then I was like, G would be a great person to add. He's known you for so long, and he'd actually think really thoughtfully about it, you know, that kind of thing. And so you threw G in there, and then right as we were about to start recording this segment, I was like, so can I throw you under the bus for having only men in your circle, too? Curse you. (laughs) After I asked you to remove your wife, or not asked, but suggested you remove your wife? No, I I apologize, because I totally was having fun ribbing you for your choices, and that doesn't help you actually make good choices. (laughs) Well... Yes and no. I actually I like the list that I'll say we came up with. Uh, <laughs> Jordy, one of my best, longest term friends, my brother, and it's funny. I found Peter Ploggy, the the minister at our church, was the other one that that came in as someone who maybe doesn't know me as closely socially, but is is someone who I feel knows me very well. I've got a long standing relationship with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I in my own list. Um, I, I, it's been interesting as I play around and I don't have a concrete list to share, but, um, as I play around with people, I would, I would be wanting to ask, um, it's, it's funny how experiences with them in the past are making me draw on it. You know what I mean? Think like different things, like I said about, about how someone might consider making picks were coming up for me. And I actually think Kelly Williams Brown would be a really great person um, to ask because she she knows me well enough, but at the same time, we are kind of newer friends. And in some ways, I feel like she would be a good person to have on my list because she knows me as I am now. And much the same way you're, you're putting G on that list because he's known you for so long. I'm wondering if actually like it would be good to have people from different points in your life or maybe to go with people from your from your present current situation because that's who you're out there presenting to right now. You know what I mean? Well, sort of right now, depending on how much you're socializing. But it 
it did get me thinking who who would you pick and would I would I even put a family member on mine? I actually probably would end up having you on my list even though you told me it would be unfair to have me on your list because we're on the show together. But <laughs> I think I think I would want you on my list cuz I do think that you see me and I think you pay attention and that to me I think would be would be worth something in the choosing of people, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And you think about your goals, your outcomes. I mean, you know, if I was doing this for professional reasons, I'd choose people that knew me professionally. Oh, yeah. If I was totally, attempting to broaden myself thing. socially, I'd try to or if I was like, you know, I'm ready to improve the relationships in my family. It would be so great if I could get yeah. along better with people in my family. Then I I might focus a little closer. <laughs> I might think about the people that that know me when my guard's down more. Totally. Tell me about this though. What advice do you give to our listeners who who take this brave step? They identify words for themselves. They identify a team to ask what what words the the team would suggest for you. What do you do if you get words that really maybe make you uncomfortable that you weren't expecting or that you're saddened to hear? And I know it doesn't feel like that should be the case, but I could imagine for some, I mean, words we know, they they are in some ways subjective and they kind of land differently with different people. And so what someone might think is a, is a compliment or a good word or a very true word to describe someone, someone else might be hurt by, upset by, or feel not connected to. Um, I say consistent. You, how do you handle you say that? Predictable. Yeah. It, no. Exactly. And and maybe you wouldn't like predictable because it sounds boring to you or something like. And you think of yourself as an exciting guy. Um, it tell me how to receive these words well when when our audience members ask for them from other people. I would say you want to receive it with genuine curiosity. Because that's so consistent and caring of you. For Why? Thank you. <laughs> My my thought is that whether you hear something that's pleasantly surprising or difficult or difficult because you didn't hear how funny you are and you really are invested in how funny you are, whatever Aww, it is, yeah. the next part of this is, so what do you do with this information? How do you move forward? And whether it's about trying to change something that you think is negative that you would want to change or whether it's shifting something so what you see as consistent and someone else sees as predictable – feels more like consistency moving forward or whatever it is. As you make these discoveries about yourself or identify things about yourself that you want to improve or change, doing that can be really difficult. So I find it helps to really narrow the focus in terms of what changes you would assign yourself to make. You can't say I'm going to be a better, more loyal person. But what you can say is – I'm going to work in three concrete areas and the areas I like to point people to when they're thinking about image are your appearance, your actions and your words. And all of those things combined come together to create an impression of you. So if you say to yourself, I'm going to make one small tangible improvement in each of those areas, that's going to improve my relationships broadly. It's going to improve my image broadly. And I can't that makes tell it very you, doable because that makes I, it very, very doable. That's the idea. And I, I, I don't know what the change is going to be. I don't know what's going to be in fashion next season. I don't know where you're starting right. from. I don't know which habits or actions you're trying to alter or change. But I do know that everyone has room to improve no matter where you are in your life. And yeah. I know that in some ways this is a bigger challenge for people 
who are excellent at something. It gets harder yeah. and harder to get better at something the better you get at it. The, the, the <laughs> degrees of improvement you make get smaller and smaller. So right. I'm an I'm excellent dresser. Getting better at dressing, going to be hard. But I can do it. There's always <laughs> room for improvement. The, this is true. And I meant that generally. I didn't mean that about me. But I know. You want to switch one of your words to confident? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I think that's really true. It's There are places where there's going to be less room to improve or the improvement is going to be uh, almost more into either. E- I was going to say either incremental or it's like that last jump you have to make that's actually a really hard one to do like mm-hmm. and this is probably a really bad example but you mentioned dressing and attire and stuff like that and maybe it is that you you spend the money on that nice suit you've always wanted for yourself or something but it it might be that that's that's the last thing and that's the thing that's really hard to get to you know or yeah. it might be um, it obviously could be many other things, but it's, I, I like that idea of kind of whittling it down to the three appearance, actions, words, and just one change in each of those categories. I really like it. And we can talk more at some point in the future. Postscripts will continue through many more episodes about specifically the ways you might look at your language, your word choice, tone, speed, inflection, laughter, accent, pronunciation, all of those things. When we're talking about actions, it can be the choices you make. It can also be unconscious actions, nervous habits, the way you make and sustain eye contact. If we're talking about appearance, I think about that more as the external surface level appearance of your, you physically. So that's personal hygiene, grooming, dress and attire, things like that. One change in each of those areas, if anything – feels completely new, the encouragement that I like to give people is that just like it's hard for people that are advanced to continue to make giant leaps forward, oftentimes the room to make the most improvement is at the beginning of something, that your first return to a yoga class, your second, third, and fourth classes are oftentimes uh, revelations where you're making big discoveries. By the time you've been taking that class for two years, they don't come in the same way necessarily. But oftentimes those early steps into unfamiliar territory are really impactful. And that's my encouragement if you're not talking about tweaking something subtly but trying something brand new to give it a shot that it might be worth exploring. Well, cuz thank you so much for taking us through this. I know it's something that you do with your seminar and webinar audiences uh, frequently, but it was really fun to kind of bring it to the podcast audience and also for me to get to hear you go through it, to have us practice some of it. It was definitely a really great exercise. So thank you for taking the time over the past four episodes, three episodes to, to make it happen for everybody. And audience, please don't forget, if you want to share with us your words or the type of people in your life that you would choose to ask for three words describing you, please feel free to do so. You can submit it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or reach out to us on social media. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we have your permission to use your social media post on the show. Yes, indeed. Both Don and Sue look like the kind of people you'd like to know, don't they? Of course, right now, they're dressed for their Friday dates. But don't you have the feeling that they're always well-groomed? Yes, and that's no accident. For Don and Sue, the question, how do I look, depends on good grooming habits. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a note from Amy. 
Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to send an etiquette salute out to my generous parents. Since the onset of the pandemic in March, my finances have been a bit tight due to losing one of my jobs and being unable to collect unemployment benefits. As a result, I have fallen behind on my credit card payments and a few other bills. This week, I had to regretfully ask my parents to help me with my car insurance, but I told them I would pay them back at the end of the week when I got my paycheck. They kindly said that I did not have to pay them back and that I could use the money I would have given back to make a credit card payment. I am so grateful for their generosity, especially during this time. Amy. Oh, Amy, that is so nice to hear. It really is. It can be easy to miss the generosity, the caring of the people that are closest to us. And I can see how much you appreciate your parents doing this for you. And it's really heartwarming to see that appreciation. Thank you for sharing this salute with us. I also just want to say that, you know, Amy, you mentioned that it was it was, you know, you had to regretfully ask your parents to help you with the car insurance. I know how hard it can be to make those asks. And I know that when parents are in a position and, and really able and willing to say, don't worry about it, use use the money to help yourself in other ways and things like that that it's so wonderful to have that received and accepted and to get into that space of gratitude and appreciation instead of that space of feeling regretful or down on on anything for for choosing to make the ask. And so I just also applaud you for getting to that space of, of gratitude and enthusiasm around it. Thank you so much for the salute. Uh, we really hope that things do improve soon for you and for others who are going through similar situations. But we're so glad that you have such a wonderful family right there for you. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something for the show. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers. And don't forget, you can also share it on social media. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please, please, please consider becoming a sustaining member. It means the world to us, and it really does keep our show on the air. You can do so by visiting Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Awesome Etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please, please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine, an assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.